Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Live on SEN Top End, 1611 AM. Welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raph Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Robbie Hale in the studio with us. Rob, uh, big night last night, mate. Yeah, was I uh, went and watched the footy. Um, yeah, it was an interesting game, wasn't it? Quarter time, 7-0, to zero, and I thought, geez, this is not the a good spectacle quarter. for Thursday night football. But in the end, um, St Kilda got the job done and it got a bit more, opened up a tad more, didn't it? But... Not, you know, not the best watch. Nah, it was one of those ones where sort of I found myself looking forward to the return of Thursday night footy for a couple of mm. months, but now that it was back, you know, that lead up to the game, St Kilda Sydney, with all due respect, was hardly a blockbuster. It wasn't one to get excited about. Could you imagine? Mm. And I don't mind the Sunday night schedule, but could you imagine Carlton and Essendon last night? Something like that, a huge game. Mm. Um, you know, perhaps you leave those ones to the Saturday night and, and those time slots, but if it was just two bigger clubs or two more informed clubs, even a West, Western Bulldogs power... Mm. Could have went really well in that slot. Um, And then, of course, you have two fairly defensive-minded coaches, particularly Ross Lyon. And we will talk about the game probably in more depth a little later on. But, yeah, Thursday night footy was back, but it didn't reach any great heights. City to Surf was also on last weekend. Now, we had a couple of private conversations about our intentions to maybe maybe do the City to Surf. Mm. I, I definitely didn't end up doing it. Um, no. I didn't see you out on the track. Uh, what's what's your excuse? Nah, I don't know. The groins are playing up too much, I tell you. I was trying to get back into it and running and that, but then, yeah, I just couldn't get up to it. So uh, it's too short of a timeline, I reckon. Mm, Maybe yeah. next year's timeline might be the go for us. We'll have but 12 months. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that should be enough time to prepare. But well done to everyone that went out and had a crack there. I think it was one of the record-breaking years, I think, of a high participation rate, which is always good to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have much of an excuse either. Yeah. I had a my back started seizing up a little bit when I was uh, quote unquote training for it. Um, but yeah, going for a couple of runs and then I realised that I'm getting closer to thirty than twenty. Yeah. A couple of months away from big thirty, so yeah, struggling a bit these days. The Suns recorded back to back wins in Darwin last Saturday night. We'll talk about that game as well a little mm-hmm. later in the show, but. Pretty good by the Suns up in the Territory. Four from four over the last two years. They're really turning TIO Stadium into that fortress. Uh, They have the bye this weekend, so no doubt many of the Territory boys would have stayed up here in the top end and enjoyed the beautiful warmer weather. But things are looking okay, aren't they, at the Suns? Yeah, they certainly are. They have, um, after this period, they have had a few years where they've dropped off a bit. Um, some of the footy commentators said that Suns had an unfair advantage up here or something, and I don't don't agree with that. if Suns are going to relocate themselves for 10, 10 days or whatever it is to come up and get involved in the community and play in Darwin, we don't get a whole lot of football in Darwin, then that should be celebrated regardless. Mm. And um, that's those sort of comments frustrate me a lot. But um, they don't make a lot of sense either because, of no. course, there's going to be somewhat of an unfair advantage, just like every team that mm. has a home base or a home away from home. If it's like... We could compare the same thing with Greater Western Sydney and playing up in Canberra or Western Bulldogs in Ballarat or other mm. places where there's different conditions. Hawthorne playing in Tassie, you know, used to the colder weather compared to other clubs. Yeah. So I don't reckon that excuse flies too well, especially no, when they're committing don't know, to don't developing know if it. Was Boydie or someone said it, or um, yeah, someone said it, and I didn't agree with it at all. But you know, um, Adelaide and Bulldogs both had their moments. Like I, you know, we we did predict that Suns would win both of them against odd, all mm. odds. Um, and definitely they were outsiders three weeks out. Um, but, you know, it's great wins considering where Adelaide and Bulldogs are on the ladder. They're top eight sides. Yeah, so. well, without patting ourselves on the back, Rob, mm. which we do love to do, um, why did we think that result would happen? Why did we think that the Gold Coast could get wins over Bulldogs and Adelaide, who are probably two better teams, on paper at least? Um, I'll go first. So I thought that 
the weather up in Darwin is, I reckon it psychologically psychs some teams out. And even mm. though they get up there, they're probably feeling it on their skin and thinking, hey, this isn't too bad. Still in the back of their mind, you know, when, when the going gets tough in the last quarter, they're thinking, well, we're playing up in Darwin. We're playing in these conditions. And I think the Suns team looked a little bit more acclimatised to mm. the conditions. Yeah. Um, so... People that weren't in Darwin over the last fortnight could listen to this commentary and think, oh, it must have been a very steamy, hot night. That wasn't the case. But I do think that half the battle with the weather in Darwin is AFL teams coming up, putting on their sweatbands, putting on their grippo and, and psyching themselves out. Yeah, well, when did Bulldogs and Adelaide get here? So, Good question, you yeah. know, like, um, Suns might have got here on the Wednesday or the Thursday before the game, but they're already acclimatised. So, um, you know, these teams come in on a Friday or something... You probably want to try to get up Prepare earlier, mm. especially and when they have the bye the week after, like yeah. Adelaide do. And if you know how strong Sorry. Suns are Suns in Darwin, do. like story. I, I probably would have tipped Bulldogs and Adelaide to beat Suns in at Gold Coast. Yeah, um, but in Darwin, I was definitely sticking with the Suns. And the only my only worry though was you know a couple of outs for Suns. Yeah, no took. But Matty Rowe just stepped up in those two games. Noah Anderson, um, Bailey Humphreys, a player that we've spoken about. We King both straightened like. them up too. King straightened them up. Um, ben Long's doing yeah. um, you know run with roles on some of the best small forwards. So. Um, I was a bit worried, though, when Adelaide got out to a five-goal lead, though, Clarkie. Similar to the week before with Bo- with Bulldogs as well, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, were they? Three goals yeah. as well. And what what was the thing about Adelaide was that they were going against the scoring end as well, and they were up by three or four goals. And it was the way they did it. Like, the Dogs mm. kicked those three goals just about before the Suns even had a possession. And then last mm. week, Adelaide looked a lot better. Not just like, mm. oh, the Suns aren't getting the bounce of the ball, it'll turn. It looked like they were getting completely outplayed in the early stages. Oh, definitely did. Um, and then, yeah, Suns had the mission to peg it back and they got it done. And, yeah, all credit to Suns. I mean, I'd like to see... Imagine if Suns played a couple of those top sort of sides. Imagine if they mm. played like a Collingwood, um, Port Adelaide sort of types there. Which like, you probably could do. You could substitute could. one of those games that they would play at Metricon, like a Gold yep. Coast versus Essendon game scheduled for Metricon. You could always mm. play that um, up in Darwin. And I know that the Sun supporters would say, well, what about us? You know, we need to support our home team and against these big clubs. But, mm. yeah, you could probably do it one year and experiment or at least change the teams around a little oh, bit. Definitely. If Collingwood are going to be a top side for a few years, you'd imagine, as well. And they mm. went and beat six, seven, eight ranked sides, whatever, um, you know, those sides are ranked. And they beat them in Darwin and Suns are now sitting 10th or 11th and they're joint points With- for 8th. With that said, I do think that the selection of these two teams worked out very well for the Suns this year Mm. because I think that Adelaide and Bulldogs are in that bracket with the Suns and, Mm. you know, those traditional eight-point games that people talk about. um, They've got them up in, like you said, you wouldn't tip them with any confidence and neither would I if they were to play those two teams, the Bulldogs and Crows, at Metricon and especially if they were to play them in Melbourne or Adelaide. So Mm. to drag these teams up to Darwin in an eight-point type game set up and then get the job, done, I reckon, is something that they would look at for sure. So, yeah, you know, teams like an Essendon or something like that, obviously they're the bigger clubs we're talking about, but teams yeah. around that area heading into next year, when they're planning the fixturing, I reckon they're the ones you'd earmark. Yeah, well, I think Bombers could finish seventh. So, yeah, you I know, um, you got those sort of top sides. If you, you know, pick a side above... Like Geelong or someone like that. Geelong, yeah, like, it'd be, it'd be massive, wouldn't it, to bank those eight points against quality opposition... Um, will go a long way for them to play finals because, you know, as we know, they haven't played finals yet. So um, there's pressure on Stewie Drew from to make finals. I don't mm. think they get there this year, but they're, they're in, they've put themselves in the ballpark now with those two wins, haven't they? I think with Stewie Drew's coaching and the situation that he's at at the Suns, mm. he needs to just continually show improvement. Mm. I think if they fall away very badly from here, you know, the jungle drums are going to be beating about where his future lies as as a senior coach. But um, if they can finish strongly, and they may not make the finals this year, it's going to be very competitive and some teams perhaps have a more favourable draw. But if the Suns can be right in contention and knock off a few other finals teams uh, in the lead-up to the finals, then that could be what, you know, sets you on the path going forward. Yeah, and I think also, like, it's going to be interesting when Took Miller comes back as well because it, I think his role's going to change somewhat. Um, mm. Previously, he'd probably play 90, 85% time midfield and 15% bench. Do you think he'll get less responsibility now? Yeah, I reckon, and he'll have to go forward, mm. um, which isn't good for fantasy and supercoach players. But um, Might just, not be good for Tukey, either. Nah, I wonder how he'll go up forward. Definitely, yeah, he doesn't seem like that sort of type. Mm. But Bailey Humphrey and these guys and Noah Anderson, they need midfield minutes and, and Rao, you know, and we've seen how good Rao was. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Noah Anderson, but geez, Matty Rao um, was really good. Yeah, I've got that in my notes later, mm. that 
one-two punch of uh, Raul and Anderson is mm. starting to be comparable with you know your Oliver and Petrarcas and some of the some of the big big names in the AFL. Hey, there was some talk about the Suns potentially not official talk, but talk mm. about maybe the Suns trying to work out a deal with another club to sell a home game uh, to play that extra game up in Darwin. Um, mm. Do you think that's something that the club could consider? Obviously, we've seen. The Suns do drastic things before in regards to their list management. We saw the Jack Bowes trade last year to Geelong um, was a drastic situation where they gave up, you know, a lot of currency just to sort of fix their finances. Do you think they could do a similar thing where wins are so important for the club that they go as far as to selling games just to get those four points? I reckon. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think the the biggest hurdle for the football club is that they need to play finals footy as soon mm. as possible. If they've identified now they've got an un like a if it's unfair advantage in brackets, um, then you know, albeit go for it, get three or four home games in Darwin. You're probably almost going to bank three or four wins. Yeah, and that goes a long way for them playing finals and. But the Suns off-field, I was very impressed with them. Um, the community work they've done, getting around the community in Darwin's really great. And at the moment, I'm preferring the Suns coming up and doing that block over a territory side. Um, I think that's more sustainable for us. Um, and we've seen all the territory boys, and I was pretty happy with that. Um, it's not like they're a club that doesn't have a lot of territory boys. They've got a lot of territory boys. So Yeah, I agree. Mm. Um, I think you know it's almost like a weekly discussion now where we talk about the potential AFL territory team. But... Mm. I think it's working pretty good at the moment. If you said a couple of years ago that the Suns will play, you know, a, a two-week block and then stay up for a week and then there's a potential to add a third game up in Darwin, I think everyone, you know, Territory Footy supporters 10 years ago would have been saying, yeah, you, you beauty, let's get a part of that. Um, and then if you told them, not only that, the team is going to have eight Territorians on the list mm. and then they're going to commit and do community engagement programs, there's going to be a pathway for our young players. I think that's a pretty good middle ground while we wait for an AFL team. So mm. um, I don't mind dreaming big. You know, the the world goes on indefinitely. And, and, yeah. and what does the AFL look like in 50 years' time? You know, you want to have some kind of, um, you know, bid to get a team in the Territory for mm. within the next 50 years and at least look like we're sort of planning towards it. Mm. But I think for the time being, there's no rush. I think the AFL would be happy with that connection between the Suns and the top end. And it's something that in itself can probably grow. Yeah, well, we've seen also, like, if you compare in the two um, <coughs> expansion, expansion clubs, um, you know, GWS had a lot more on-field success, but the off-field stuff that the uh, Gold Coast have done the whole time that they've been in the comp have been exceptional. Mm. Um, and we did see that. Um, I went and watched them train. They trained pretty well, and all the players were out talking to the fans, staying out, signing autographs, and, yeah, it was a very, um, you know, they reaped the benefits of their uh, good work, didn't they? They did. I'd love to see the crowd get around them slightly more. I didn't like hearing those Bulldogs chants and the or a bit of the Crows love that I received. It's only natural, but I'd love to see a real real Gold Coast orient. I'd love to see all the red and yellow in the grandstand, a big Gold Coast crowd. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, I think we had healthy crowds as well, didn't we? Um, yeah. Bulldogs, was, I went and watched Bulldogs train, obviously, and it was packed. And, um, yeah, a grandstand sold out pretty quickly mm. for the Crows game. Plenty more to come here, Rob, on SEN Fridays in the top end. We're hoping to speak to James Arada, who is a dual premiership participant now, one as yeah. a coach, one as a player um, at Waratah. So he had a very successful season. We will check in with all the usuals that we normally do, get into mm -hmm. all of the AFL discussion, all of last week's games, uh, last night's games, and whatever's rest for the weekend. Stay tuned. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. This is SEN Fridays in the top end. SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Hey, Rob, Roland Garros is now streaming on Stan Sport. Every match ad-free, four courts in 4K and Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, AATC.tennis. This is Brett Phillips, who has joined us all the way from France. Brett, has the connection made it through? Uh, indeed. Hello, gents. How are we? Very, very good, mate. I hope things are going well all the way over there. What's been happening over the past week in the world of tennis? Well, we've just had uh, a couple of cracking uh, women's semis uh, overnight. So uh, probably, well, I think the first semi was probably the best uh, women's semi-final that I've uh, that I've seen in my time uh, covering the game. It was an extraordinary wow. match. Um, uh, Carolina Mukova of the uh, the Czech Republic, uh, who made an Australian Open final uh, three years ago, uh, was unseated coming into the French Open, world number 43, and... Look, her talent is far better. She's had a couple of horrific uh, sort of injury stints on the sidelines the last two or three years and finally has got her body right, but she took out the world number two in uh, Arena Sabalenka today. Three hours and 13 minutes, 
Sabalenka was 5-2 up in the third. Serving for the match, dropped the last five games. So, be fair to say, I mean, well, I don't know. Some people could call it a choke, if you like, uh, but that's probably taking you a little bit, of, a little bit away from their opponent, who, you know, just uh, just hung in there really. And she's a bit of a throwback type player. It's a bit like watching Ash Barty play, uh, Carolina yeah. Mukova. I mean, we haven't seen too many players who can hit a beautiful slice backhand. Uh, it's a shot that's, you know, that not many players can execute. It's all about power, but she's a different sort of player and. Now she'll take on uh, the world number one, Iga Sviontek, uh, for the title on Saturday night. And Iga uh, got past um, Brazil's Beatrice Haddad-Meyer today, the first Brazilian into a semi for about 55 years. So Iga's flying, third Roland Garros final in four years. And, yeah, she's certainly going to take some beating. And then tonight, the two men's semis. I mean, I've never been more excited about a tennis match uh, tonight than Carlos Alcaraz, the 20-year-old world number one. Up against Novak Djokovic, the 22-time Grand Slam champion, who's mm. spent more weeks at world number one in the history of the sport. So finally, finally we get to see these two go head-to-head in a best-of-five at a Grand Slam. And then you've got Alexander Zverev and Kasper Ruud, the other semi. Kasper made the final last year, the Norwegian, losing to Rafael Nadal. So I think Ruud probably gets Zverev in a very tight uh, four- or five-set match. Yeah, so we don't have plenty of time here, unfortunately, Brad. I could talk all day with you, Tennis. But uh, the Djokovic-Alcaraz matchup, what history do these two have together? Uh, have, they, have they played against each other much in any setup? So just once, uh, last year, which was a, a, the Madrid Masters 1000 tournament, that, that's a best-of-three format, and Carlos won. So if you're asking me who's going to win tonight, uh, I, I think Alcaraz uh, gets Djokovic, and Djokovic... You know, he's got so much to play for. I mean, it's easy to tip Novak because of his experience. Mm. But Carlos is the world number one player for a reason at the moment. He is that dynamic, this young guy, and I think he beats Novak. Just going to have to wrap you there, Brett. Awesome. That sounds like a great game there. You enjoy the rest of the French Open. It sounds like it's really heating up. This is SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Remember to check us out on social media. Download the app, the SEN app, available at all good app stores, Rob. Hey, a quick little update of the NRL NT season. Litchfield are on top of the ladder with 14 points. Northern Sharks are in a really rich vein of form on 10 points. Darwin Brothers are on 8 points. Palmerston in 4th position on 6 points. South Darwin, 2 points. We spoke on air before they had their first win not too long ago. Uh, And first win in a long time. And Nycliffe Dragons really struggling. What do you make of that, Rob? Yeah, Nycliffe are normally a big powerhouse. In the, uh, struggling a bit, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they have struggled the last few years. Um, yeah, very surprising. Sharks are in pretty good form. 74-0 and 64-0 in the past fortnight. Uh, one of those wins against Raiders, who were last year's premiers, but mm. the Raiders bounced back last week. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. You're listening to Jacko and Robbie Hale in the studio, the guru. Uh, Rob, that's why we've got you to talk about footy, and that's what's up now. The CAFL, the CAFL, the Central Australian Representative Team for the Football League. That was a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Travelled all the way up to Darwin, made the long trek, but were unsuccessful. They lost to last year's NTFL Premier Waratah, 9-2-56 to 6-15-51. I suppose the scoreline tells the story there, inaccurate kicking from Central Australia there. That's 21 scoring shots to 11, which is quite a big differential, um, especially in a low-scoring game game. A free kick right on the siren to, I believe, Booth of the Warriors was uh, the determining factor of this result. Abe Ankers, who of course is a Waratah player, kicked four goals to the Caffel and was probably their best player, kicking four of six. Thoughts on this result? Yeah, I thought Caffel should probably have won, mm. um, considering they're in season. Um, Waratah's had a few a lot of blokes hadn't played together. Um, five blokes from the Premiership side. Mm. Um, I was talking to a few people that said that the Warriors you know like their premiership side would have beaten the Caffle by 10 goals maybe and seeing that result makes you probably think it would be probably double that. Um, I was expecting Central Australia to win. I don't know who, how many players they had out or how strong their side was. Um, I was surprised not to see Charlie McAdam out there but apparently hadn't played a, a f- too many games. But I think that's the big question. Was mm. it their best team? Because I don't mm. want to 
like on the surface level, I look at a result like that, I consider the team that Waratah brought into the game and I think mm. that shuts down any debate really about the CAFL being underrated or, you know, they mm. need more respect about the competition down there. A representative team should have belt any individual NTFL team, especially mm. at this time of the year. Um, and to go away empty-handed would have been a disappointing result. But in saying that, you know, I don't want to get a text from... Matty Campbell or someone like that with, you know, 15 names that, that could have represented Central Australia. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I mean, I'll put the tip my hat to you and say you know more about Central Australia football than I do. Um, so I didn't really go through the team with a fine-tooth comb and look through what other players are playing in the CAFL. But when you've got anchors and other players like that running around, it's, it's enough, I would have thought, for them to have thought they'd go away with a win. Oh, definitely. I thought so. I think the result's a tad disappointing. Um, although at least it was close either way, um, considering what Waratah's put out there, I would have expected, um, you know, CAFL to go away, you know, quite comfortable winners. Um, but it is what it is. Um, I don't think the CAFL's as strong as it used to be. Mm. Um, and I think that, that, that result's Do further proof, isn't it? Do you think that the CAFL needed to win to make this game a long-term prospect, like a long-term thing? Um, you know, I know they. it's going to be hard to build hype around it, I think, if mm. we have a dominant NTFL team this year or any NTFL team, really, that ends up winning the flag this year to build up this corresponding game next year. Um, I don't know if it's going to be effective. Yeah, I, I thought it was a bit of a weird one. I can see what they're doing with it, but it's sort of, you know, when, you've, when you're saying the premiers of last year and they had five premiership players, it does make it a, a tad, you know, weird. Don't you reckon? Do you think they could do it maybe a week or two before the opening round of the season and almost see this CAFL team as like the Central Australian Football League team of the year, like an All-Australian? Mm. You know the All-Australian would get picked and then they'd play yep. Ireland in the international rules. Could you do a similar thing where the CAFL picks their team of the year and then that team, or, or you know, as close as you can get to that team, comes up and plays Waratah a week or two out from the season, NTFL yeah. season? if I was coaching Waratahs or anything like that, I'd, I'd much prefer that option, um, considering it leads into the season. Um but, you know, Waratahs have got five or six good kids. Mm. We don't know how much they're going to play. I think they'll play a lot of Premier League reserves um, this season. But, you know, Bro um, and Buscato, it's an half-back. They um, look really good. Um, a lot of them showed signs. So Waratahs, you know, they'll load up with the Southerners and that, but they'll have all those young players coming coming through as well. And mm. if Ryan Ayres finishes up coaching the footy club in two, three, four years, they're going to have a good sort of junior base to... Yeah, rebuild from. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think a lot of our commentary so far has mm. been more about the disappointment of the Central Australian team, but I think mm. that win highlights that maybe Waratah have more depth and more juniors than a lot of other teams in the NTFL think. I know mm. that there are people around the league that think Waratah perhaps struggle in that area of juniors, which sounds silly given they've just won an under-18s flag, but traditionally they haven't had that production line of junior talent that other clubs have had, Waratah. Um, a bit of a transient junior base where a lot of star juniors then go to university down south or, or move down south and continue their football. Um, but maybe they're on the right track. Maybe that it's not just the Premier League dominance and, and getting really good Southern players in. Maybe it's those second stringers that are playing Premier League reserves and those um, that are coming through at the moment that have played that 18s flag. Maybe there's more positives for Waratah than just the fact that they're coming off a flag. Yeah, and I, I get a vibe that the Kieran Ewer boys and some of those Tiwi connections they do have are pretty strong Waratahs historically as well. Mm. It seems like a lot of those guys are just going to play for Tiwi Bombers rather uh, play for Waratahs rather than Tiwi Bombers. Well, they'd be about second or third generation Waratah players at least. You know, I don't want to speak mm. out of turn here, but I know it's more than just just one or two family members. Yeah, and if they slide into that Waratah side, it's probably something that they do probably need is mm. to have some more local Aboriginal talent. Um, you don't want to pick your side based on that, but um, that that's something that they probably do need a bit. Um, mm. Last season, they didn't have any um, local Aboriginal players in their premiership side, mm. which I think was, would have had to be the first in a long time for any NTFL side, really. But yeah. is what it is. Is what it is, yeah. I don't think um, I don't think there's a huge story there, but no. some people might, you yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but again, positive signs for Waratah. I mm -hmm. think they're going to be around the mark this year. I see them. Obviously, we're not going to... It's too early to do the NTFL previews and all that stuff, but a very, very, very early one. I see them being around the top three sides again. Well, when we do that prediction, Clarky, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I've got a few curveballs to throw in. Um, you so, always do. Yeah, I'll put... Yeah, we'll, we'll wait for that. We'll wait yeah, for, we'll that. for that. We do have uh, Craig Driver just about ready for us. Uh, before that, we will quickly have an update on the CAFL ladder. So it's such a hard ladder to read. Go on. I challenge anyone to go on to Play HQ 
look up the Central Australian Football League competition and read that ladder without a degree. It is bloody hard, I tell you that much. What's wrong with it? Um, oh, there's points <laughs> everywhere. The win-loss ratio doesn't match up. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, Rob. Maybe it's a me problem. But from what I gather, I believe Federal are leading all comers on top of the ladder. Pioneer in second place. South Alice Springs in third. Rovers in fourth. And West at fifth position. Um, as I've said before, if Federal have Anchors and Darley, they're my tip to win it. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think in Federals. Yadin and Barty as well that played well, that played in the grand final, losing grand final for Waratahs, big Ash. inside mid. No, no, no. <laughs> um, Robbie Barty. Yeah. Um, so you got the, yeah, their midfield's too strong, and they you know they recruited pretty well as well. So yeah, Federals for mine, Clarky. Yeah, Rob. We are hoping that we are joined by Craig Driver, the Chief Operating Officer of Get Set Bet. Craig, do we have you on the line? I'm here, guys. How are we? Very good, mate. Hey, Craig, it's a big weekend of sport. Uh, it's been a big week of sport. You've got everything. You've got the French Open. You've got the NBA. Uh, you've got all the AFL and NRL stuff this weekend. You've got the combat sports. But I'm interested in some of the games going on on King's birthday. Do you have some multis for us? Yeah, I do. Yeah, Thankfully, we get five days of footy this week. So mm. a couple of games on Monday. We've got you know the Demons and the Pies, you know, third versus first at the G. It couldn't get much bigger than that. Uh, no. And then... In RL Eels and Bulldogs, and they might be running 12th and 15th, but you know both sides are better than that, and it's always a good match between the Eels and the Bulldogs. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, I am interested in which way do you think the Demons-Collingwood game is going to go? Because I have been surprised, and I don't know if you see it differently, but I think the bookmakers have been quite generous to the Demons. I see Collingwood as comfortable favourites here. Um, I think the, the King's birthday occasion can sometimes even up the contest, but I've still got the Pies winning this one pretty comfortably. Where do you see yeah, it? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, they're eighty two at the moment, uh, and the Demons $2. Oh, you have to say that Collingwood will firm, so if you like the Pies, I'd be backing them now at the eighty two. Mm. Uh, I think they'll firm, and I think they'll they'll start a bit shorter than the eighty two for sure. They're just, they've just been in unbelievable form. Yeah, no doubt. Who do you have in the NRL? Um, I... <laughs> it's it's hard for me because I'm a massive eel supporter, but uh, Dylan Brown massive out for the eels, and it mm. wouldn't bulldogs spring an upset. They always play well against the eels. Yeah, no doubt. All right, I might be putting you on the spot here, but do you have a multi for any of those games that impresses I do. you? I look, we, we had one last week. You guys might remember on the NBA, <laughs> we got three out of four. So yeah. I, I they're the worst the ones. <laughs> Um, one of the things you can do at Get Set Bet is have a same-game multi-multi. So what I mean by that is you can have a wow. same-game multi in one match into a same-game multi in another match, and that's what we're going to do on Monday. Uh, so I'm with you guys with the Pies. I've got the Pies winning by 1-39, to 39, uh, and Pendlebury with 20-plus disposals. Uh, and in the NRL match, I've got the Dogs. Where you can pick your own line with our same game multi. So I've gone the dogs with getting 12 and a half start. I think that's that's pretty comfortable. Uh, and I've got the fox, Josh at a, at a car scoring a next time try. Uh, and if you get those four legs up, we're going to pay you $8.11 for your dollar oh, investment. It's not bad. It's not bad at all, Craig. Yeah, there's a little bit of value there, I think. And as I say, I, I think a few of those might firm uh, between now and Monday. Yep, so make sure you get on it. Craig, get set bet. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Want to be treated like a very important punter? Getsetpet.com.au. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Robbie, plenty more to talk about. We are going to be joined by the salty star, Jaron Jamison, mm. Jimmy Arada, who had some premiership success at Waratah, the club we yep. were just talking about, and, of course, all the AFL stuff that's happening this weekend. It's a huge weekend of sport. Mm. Stay with us here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Robbie, thanks for arranging this. I'm looking forward to talking to this guy. He had one of the better NTFL seasons you could hope for, having coached an under-18s flag and then played in a drought-breaking premiership. James Arada, do we have you this morning? Uh, yes, you do. How are you doing, Jacko? 
Very good, mate. You also have Robbie here as well, obviously a guy that you're familiar with. He called himself the Waratah Supercoach. Reckons he was very harshly treated at the club, but um, <laughs> no, no, he did not say that. <laughs> I'm throwing him under the bus here a little bit. He definitely did not say that, Jimmy. But, um, mate, what a let's go back to the NTFL season for a little bit. What a season it was. It must have been an amazing couple of days for you. Yeah, a bit of what um, dreams are made of, I reckon. Um, yeah, to think about it, yeah, it was huge. You know, mm. obviously to um, coach in a in a 18th grand final and then um, the next day playing one and win both. You know, it's yeah, it's what dreams are made of. Yep. Hey, that under 18s premiership was one of the most exciting games of junior footy I've seen in a long, long time. And I was telling Robbie off air that, like, I coached the under 12s when I was a bit younger, when I was in my late teen years. And I was one of those silly coaches where I was aware that we were coaching the under 12s. So I wasn't trying to publicly be a nuisance. But deep down, my heart was beating. Like, if we, the opposition team got within, you know, two or three goals in a, in a finals game, I was, I was a, a ball of nerves. I could not imagine, James, how you were feeling in that last quarter. It was one of the most exciting games I've ever seen. How were you going when uh, Dwayne Kiranul was having those shots for goal? Um, yeah, heart in your mouth sort of moment. There was a um, there was a play where, obviously we played St. Mary's and there was a play where um, they had, with about 40 seconds left on the clock, had mm. broke through the midfield and um, streamed forward and had a shot on goal. And oh, yeah. um, when they hit the post and you know, obviously hit the post and then kept the scores at two points. Um, yeah, that was heart in your mouth sort of moment. I sort of closed my eyes, <laughs> threw the coaching board on the ground and thought, game over. But, um, yeah. yeah, thankfully hit the post and, um, yeah, we played out the last 30 seconds and got the win. Yeah, Jimmy, Robbie here, mate. Um, so with your coaching style and that, how have you adapted it over the years? You've had you've been coaching now for, was it about four years, four seasons with that group, 18s boys? How have you uh, changed from... Five seasons. How have you changed from the first season to winning that premiership? And I remember coaching against you, and you were a bottom side for a long period of time as well. I think a lot of it, like when I first came on coaching, you know, I didn't realise the commitment involved, like in the off season, you know, recruiting players, getting people down to pre-season, sort of building up a group. So I think the style that I was coaching through changed in the way my commitment was, you know, so... In the last couple of years, I'd noticed that I'd really committed to, you know, building a really good group of boys that, like you said, you know, build through the years. So then we had had a small group in under-16s when I first started coaching. And then, you know, by the last year in 18s, you sort of had a really big core group of players that were all committed and dedicated to play. So I think just the commitment side of things really, you know, I ramped that up. Very much so. Uh, what effect has coaching had on your own footy? Do you think that it has made you a better player and made you sort of reflect on your own game a little bit more? Um, yes and no. I reckon as far as um, being aware of what's going on in the game, like understanding, you know, like say there's five minutes left in the game, you're up mm. by 10 points, really understanding the um, pace of the game, sort of having a real... Like, you can step back and be a third person sort of thing, I feel. But I also feel like it's had a sort of a negative impact on the fact that, you know, obviously if you're coaching, you're always missing a lot of training. So, yeah. you know, you're not always getting out in the park with the um, senior boys as much as you'd like to. And, you, yeah, so it's sort of – it's good and it's bad, I think. Um, yeah, also, Jimmy, yeah. does – Ryan Ayers, Ayers, he probably is now probably at the king of the coaching world in the top end. Has he given you much advice or come in and, you know, mentored you at the huddles and told you a few things in the way he's seen a game or not really? Uh, no, he definitely has. Um, just little things, you know, especially at training, like sharing good drills to do. Um, obviously, in TARS, we want our 18s to play like our prems do, so we share a lot of the structure stuff, and he'll run through that with me. And um, just ongoing support. And um, with Airsy, he's really good at developing our juniors. Like, um, he's really keen on getting juniors through senior footy. So, you know, we obviously had quite a few of our 18s boys um, debut in Premier League this past season and the year before. And obviously, when you were coaching as well, Robbie, getting um kids through in the resis as well so um yeah i think that's a huge 
like bonus of obviously when you were coaching and also as he's coaching as well. For sure. Um, James, you've been at the club for a long time. So I've, I was played a little bit of junior footy at Waratah and great club, but a, a transient club. So uh, to play 100 or 150 or 200 games at Waratah is perhaps a little bit rarer than some other clubs. You've also been through some tough times. When did you start thinking that a premiership was a genuine possibility? So obviously you would have been able to notice the improvement and Ryan Ayres has done a great job. But when did you start thinking, hey, we are as good as any team in the competition and we can really win this flag? Was it sort of within the last 18 months, 24 months? Yeah, definitely. So it's always a dream to win a premiership. But I think, yeah, at the start of last season sort of we got to around six or seven and we we're sitting top of the ladder and I thought wow you know we're a genuine chance and that was sort of the first time that I really felt that yeah we were c- competing with these top sides like Nycliffe and St Mary's mm. at the time so yeah it was a good feeling. Yeah also Jimmy obviously fresh off the game on the weekend also having five premiership players but you had some young kids in there as well which we might touch on I really like the look of Brody and Pescado it's an half back but you got you had five premiership players I'm hearing whispers around town that some of the premiership team won't be coming back which is probably um, probably sort of what 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 you'd expect um, can you confirm how strong yours will be next year from the premiership side of how many players you, you may lose um, personally, I'm not on the recruitment front, but I, from what I've heard and what I've seen around the traps, the tires at the moment is I think we're going to be similar. We'll be very similar to what we were last year, as far as our playing group. Like a lot of players have recommitted. Some have been confirmed, obviously through the social media posts. But I think a lot of boys are just seeing how they get through this down south season. But I feel like, um, yeah, we're going to be equally as like, our playing group will be very similar to what it was last year. Obviously, add a few of these 18s boys that are stepping up into senior footy. But, yeah, hopefully be um, as strong as a group as we were this past season. Yeah, and something that really surprised me, Jimmy, was um, the round one game against St. Mary's. Obviously, the scoreboard surprised a lot of people, but then I looked at the team. You had 17 players that ended up playing in the premiership, played that round one game. Was that a big emphasis to try to get one of your best sides of the park, round one, St. Mary's beat you in the grand final the year before and smash them on home deck? Well, again, credit to Erzy and Jezza and all the um, senior coaching panel. We'd sorted out our list really early. Like, we'd known the sort of playing list we're going to have early in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So we sort of really worked on it, got a lot of boys in early, got a lot of boys through preseason. So then I think that's sort of what reflects. We obviously really wanted to beat St. Mary's on the home deck in round one. Um, mm-hmm. That result surprised anyone, I think. But um, I think it just goes to show, you know, preparation. We were really prepared for that game and um, obviously the result showed. Yeah, very good, Jimmy. We need to wrap up, but just a very quick one. Um, are you playing anywhere in the off-season? No, I'm having, I'm having six months off, Jacko. Beautiful. Open up the um, sunray. <laughs> awesome. I reckon that's a smart decision, mate. What's on for the rest of your day? Are you still at Milner Primary? Have I guessed that right? No. Uh, that's where my mum works. I'm over in the oh. government just doing, yeah, some alcohol and other drug counselling. So hopefully a pretty chill day today. Well, Mate, yeah. you must have the most supportive mum in the world. The only reason I said that, like it's a wild guess, obviously, was because I had a PD day, a professional development day, and I had I went into the Jimmy Arata room. There was posters of you everywhere, and I was like, there's... "Jimmy probably put them up." Yeah, I said, "There's no way Jimmy doesn't work at this school, or he's got like a secret admirer or something," because it was crazy, mate. There is so much Arata merchandise, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I snuck into the um, near the primary and stuck a few of yeah. myself up. <laughs> My mum loved it. Yeah. Nah, awesome, mate. Awesome. Very good. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for Thanks, spending time for us this morning, uh, Jimmy. You have a you enjoy the rest of your off-season break, and then good luck for the pre-season preparations. All right. Thanks. Same to you, boys. See ya. See you, brother. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. It is now time for our property update, and this is the 4-2 Kent Court at Stewart Park, a beautiful two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment. Located in one of Darwin's most exclusive inner suburbs of Stewart Park within a five-minute drive to Darwin City, 
This property offers a fantastic investment opportunity. Open plan lounge and dining areas open into a spacious balcony that is perfect for entertaining and enjoying Darwin's tropical climate. The entire property is equipped with air conditioning and built-in robes, making it ideal for a young family or executive couple. Priced at 399 k contact the friendly team at Rain and Horn Darwin for more information. Looks like a good one there, Clarky. And uh, 31 Melbourne Street's the next property in Johnston. This is a five-bedroom, three-bathroom wow. house. Big family. Looking for a spacious and luxurious five-bedroom home that's perfect for families and entertaining guests? Look no further than this stunning elevated property. Upstairs, you'll find gener generously sized bedrooms with the main bedroom suite featuring a massive walk-in robe and spacious ensuite bathroom complete with a luxury spa bath. Downstairs features an additional bedroom and ensuite bathroom. Perfect for guests or teenagers seeking privacy, as well as a laundry and it's a fully commissioned cyclone shelter to boot. You'll have everything you need for a comfortable, adventurous, luxurious lifestyle. Offers over 850000 and that's open this Saturday, 10.50 to 11.20. Oh, Rob, you've got the whole Rain on Horn office looking over at our... Uh I actually it. looked over my shoulder and seen <laughs> no, it was just 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 <laughs> Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Rob, we do need to go to the news very soon, so we don't have much to discuss this, but the Ultimate Fighter has started. We're up to two episodes now. Of course, Conor McGregor's coaching one team. Michael Chandler, his future opponent, is coaching the opposition team. Um, which way do you see this fighting? Obviously, we can't analyse this perfectly, but Chandler McGregor. Yeah, I think McGregor gets him, um, but... It is a tough fight for McGregor. I'm just not too sure how committed he is to being back in the game. So, mm. I mean, how do you see it? Yeah, let's go. McGregor with another early KO, I reckon. Yep. We'll go with that one. The news, and then we have Soldi's player, Jaron Jamison, after the break. This is SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Robbie, the Salties are flying, and so is this man, Jaron Jamison. Jaron, do we have you? Yes, yes, yes. Good morning. How are you doing today? Very, very good. Thank you for joining us and taking time out of what must be a busy schedule. Hey, you are flying, as we said before, averaging just under 20 points per game. You must be very happy on an individual basis with how your season's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Obviously, it's, um, obviously, I feel like it's another level um, that I, not only individually I can go to, but uh, the team can go to as well. But um, I, like I said, when you when you playing well, uh, you could just take it, take it for what it is. <laughs> How much work, John, do you put into your game? How often are you shooting around? Um, I know that... So, Robbie and myself, the two people you're talking to at the moment, we've grown up from footy perspectives. We see the work that semi-professional athletes put into to play at, say, a VFL or an SANFL standard. But to play in the NBL1 competition, which is getting better and better by the day, how much work do you put into your game? Oh, man, it's, just, it's a day-to-day -day thing, um, whether it's um, not only recovery, but uh, going down to push shots up, um, whether it's going to the weight room or, yeah, just as little as just getting together um, and just uh, trying to do yoga. Um, that's what a couple of the good boys are doing as well, too. So, yeah, from an individual perspective, I'm trying to do, yeah, put in work every day. But like I said, it's not only just me, it's the team as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're a very humble man, of course. We will get to the team soon, Jerron. Don't worry about that. Um, hey, we see your name everywhere around the Territory community, especially up in Darwin. You've really uh, bought in, and, and hopefully that the Territory has embraced you as well. Um, but how did you arrive in the top end, and how did you get here? Um, so I, I initially got here um, in 2016. So, yeah, July, it'll be almost seven years now um, being in Australia. Um, I got here in 2016. Um, initially, uh, I was playing with Ansett. Um, I had just finished up playing in the NBL out in Canada. Um, mm -hmm. And once I finished that up, I had talked to my then coach, uh, Paul Rouse, uh, initially playing for Ansett. And then once I yeah, once I got here in 2016, uh, yeah, just been back and forth to Queensland, Queensland and Darwin. Um, a couple of sets, in, uh, I did Victoria and WA as well. But, yeah, just been loving it ever since. Big game against the Gold Coast coming up. What are the keys to victory and, and what kind of game plan are you going to bring into this one? Um, yeah, keys to get Gold Coast. Uh, we kind of try to um, attack every game the same way. We just kind of try. Well, we usually try to focus on us. Um, really, just keeping that pace. Um, we really want to make teams run, um, keep up that pace, um, do what we do defensively, and really, yeah, just share the ball. And that's what we've been doing the last three weeks. And yeah, it's been working out fantastic for us. No doubt. Salty's currently sitting in fourth position. Are you happy and content? Obviously, you're going to say that there's still room for improvement, but how far do you think uh, you can go this season, and are you happy with where the team is at currently? 
Um, yeah, no, like I said, at the end of the day, um, the goal is always to win the championship. So um, that's the end goal, and that's what we really want to get done. And uh, I think it's definitely a realistic possibility this season. Um, so, like I said, I, ideally, and that's the same thing, me and Flinny, and uh, he's expressed to the group as well, too, we always want to uh, we want to try to get a home final. Um, regardless of who it's against, we want to play, uh, we want to play at home uh, in the finals and stuff as well, too. So whatever we got to do to get that, that's what we're trying to do. Jaron, where do you see the pathway for basketball up in the top end? Um, it's a question that we've asked a lot of our basketball guests over the past couple of weeks and months, but do you see a pathway forward for potentially Darwin getting an NBL team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, with all of the steps that um, have been put into place for, even, for us to even get an NBL one team, um, I think it's a realistic possibility for them to be able to get an NBA team um, just as, as far as, like, the excitement around the community and um, just the engagement as far as, like, kids joining up for basketball, specifically for girls um, as well, too, because uh, it was dying off for a minute. But, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a realistic possibility, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, putting you on the spot here a little bit, I'm aware of that, but are there any good young local basketballers, um, young Territorians to look out for, you think, in the coming years, maybe around that, you know, 12, 13-year-old mark all the way up to, say, in their early 20s, ones that can still have a bit of development in them. Which young basketballers should we be looking out for? Um, Clayton Jewell is one off the top of my head. Um, he is uh, just finished up his second year under 20s. Uh, we'll probably be going to school not too long from now. Um, I'm on the spot for sure right now. Um, Levin <laughs> Mayer is one uh, who I've been uh, training uh, he is just in his first year of under 14. Actually, he is, so he'll be on the Cyclones team, uh, under 14, uh, yeah. champ team. Um, and uh, there's quite a few more that I, like I said, I train so many kids at the moment. This is it's crazy. So yeah, I just I can't think of too many more at the moment. But those are two that come off the top of my head right now. Awesome, yeah, no doubt they're out there. Hey, where do your allegiances lie? Who do you support in the NBA? And obviously we've got the NBA Finals at the moment with Denver having a 2-1 lead over the Miami Heat. Which way do you think that one's going to go? Um, I usually, it's crazy because um, ever since Kobe retired, I really just watch probably more individual players than anything. Mm. But I'll probably say I watch, I'll, I'll watch probably more Milwaukee um, than yep. anybody. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I fan? definitely... Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but I, uh, I would probably say, yeah, I've, I've been rooting for Denver more than Miami in this series, just because, uh, yeah, this, just not only the way they play, but yeah, just, just fun basketball. It's, it's actually been a good series either way. I know a lot of people thought it wouldn't be, um, and a lot of people thought people wouldn't watch, but yeah, no, it's been a fantastic series. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, John, thanks very much for joining us this morning, and good luck over the weekend. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you again. Cheers. Hey, Rob, that was John Jamison. We do need to get down to support him and the Salties team, don't we, at yeah, some point? Yeah, definitely. Um, and also the women's team as well. They're both flying. Um, they're both flying. So mm. I've seen the atmospheres on Facebook and you see the um, you know, the crowd and all yeah. that, and it does look like a very enjoyable experience. I know. You hear a lot of complainers in territory sport, but I haven't heard a single person complain about the Salties and the show mm. they put on um, yep. during their home games. So we'll have to get down at some point. We will go to a break uh, shortly, but there are some games because there's still plenty of football that we haven't touched on yet. Geelong last week defeated the Western Bulldogs 15-7-97 to the Dogs 10-15-75. We were both at the footy last weekend, the one in Darwin, so we didn't get to watch much of this, or at least I didn't. I haven't watched a replay yet. Um, but I was a little surprised with the Cats. They're up and down like a yo-yo this year. Geelong, the reigning premiers. What did you make of that result? Yeah, obviously I haven't even watched the game at all, but um, I think that, that that was the only tip I got wrong. Mm. So... Uh, yeah, it's just... Um, a bit disappointing from the dogs. They can't seem to, you know, propel themselves into that Collingwood at Geelong of a, of a genuine premiership team. There's still so many question marks around them for mine. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, yeah, I, I, I just... Yeah, I just... It, there was a surprise result in some aspects, but the, the margins wasn't too far in the, as, as like betting goes, but I mm. think a lot of people in the tipping comps would have tipped Bulldogs um, as well. And then obviously the Adelaide... Gold Coast result. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Gold Coast 16 16 112 beat Adelaide 13 9 87. Adelaide opened up a 21 point lead at quarter time, but were run down uh, by the coast. So it was another game they started poorly, but were able to ultimately win. A better crowd this weekend with just under 11,000 people. Um, Noah Anderson, probably best on ground for mine. 28 touches, two goals. You mentioned the partnership that he had with Matt Rao. Yep. Interesting game from Rao. Four disposals to half time, and it started to 
look like, oh, maybe this, maybe the bigger ground actually is a challenge for Matt Rowe. But then he came out and was probably the most influential player in the second half, I reckon, when the game was there to be won. Mm. Jack Lukosius, a guy we spoke to on the show um, a fortnight ago, continues his strong form up forward with another bag of five. Yeah, definitely. Um, great form from Lukosius. That's his third bag of five. But I want to touch a bit on the Essendon North Melbourne, just some of the Facebook stuff I've seen. Um, do I, I we want to wait till we talk about that game? Oh, do we have time? But we're, yeah, All right. We so we'll let, we'll let, let's just... Fly. Sorry, that's your subtle way of saying hurry up. All right. Yeah. Well, let's go on with it then. So Gold Coast, Adelaide. I just want to talk about really quickly mm. the Tom Doty situation. Do they? Doty? Do they? What? <laughs> Suffered a Doty. ruptured ACL from a contest early in the match. Um, it was a fairly innocuous incident. He was trying to warm up in front of the grandstand to try and get back onto the ground. He is a guy that has put his contract negotiations on hold until the end of the season, and that is probably the downside too when players do that. We see players put their contract negotiations on hold to hopefully get a better deal, but it can swing the other way. And now you have Duda, who is going to be nursing an ACL coming into the next preseason while all the negotiations happen. Yep, it's interesting. Um, he is a Ballarat boy, I think. Um, perhaps Ballarat boy. Um, so I do think the lure to go back to Melbourne could be there now. Um, mm. Certainly a player wouldn't mind at Essendon, so let's put it that way. All right, look, let's get into your game. Essendon versus North Melbourne, probably the most intriguing game of last weekend. Mm. The Bombers did what most good teams do, and they got the job done despite not playing the best football. Um, North Melbourne's young midfield for mine has plenty of potential. Mm. I think I may have underrated Will Phillips a little bit. He looks like he could be a late bloomer. Um, Very good player, very nice hands. Not going to be an absolute superstar, I don't think, but one that should complement that midfield. George Wardlaw was super impressive last week. He looked like a young Ben Cunnington with more explosiveness and agility around the contest. I think he's going to be a fan favourite for the shin bonus for a long time. And then, of course, you throw in Harry Sheasel, LDU, and they'll get another topic in this season's draft. So I reckon it was North's most positive performance for a long time, but you've um, you've tried to start this conversation about five times, so something was going on on Facebook that annoyed you? No, oh, just, yeah, just, just general nuffy, commentary. Nuffy behaviour. Mm. Um because, you know, as a Bombers supporter, like we, we didn't play our best football, and a lot of that probably goes down to North Melbourne, restricting. Zach Merritt was highly influential early. Shield went on him, yeah. kept him pretty quiet, kept him to 15 touches for three quarters. Um, but winning uglies, you know, sign, sign of an OK, pretty good side. So mm. I don't think we deserve to win on the weekend um, with a few key outs, and I think getting the, the four points, banking those four points against a resurgent, free-flowing North Melbourne... Um, who actually did get us on the spread and run, mm. which isn't... Bombers don't normally get on, done on the spread and run that often. That's probably our A side. So coming up, I'm looking forward to North playing some teams and some of those Facebook Nuffies teams getting beaten. Yeah, well, it could be this weekend. Obviously, you won't hear much from Greater Western Sydney supporters, but that's nah, who they play this weekend. Don't and, know one. <laughs> and I think um, <laughs> I think there'd be a strong chance to win that game. Not a, maybe not a strong chance, but definitely a chance to beat the Giants. Um, in is it in Tassie or Melbourne? But it's a home game for the Roos. So is there any anything with Clarkson coming back? Do you think that's going to when he comes back, is that going to affect the group? Well, I think there's playing? pressure on him now because there's been mm. a clear distinction between the way the Roos are playing under Ratton, the caretaker coach, and the way they played under Clarkson. It's almost mm. like a new team. It's like they've been revitalised. The commentary in the media has been, well, perhaps, you know, Clarkson was getting weighed under the... Uh, that investigation couldn't coach properly and, and that was coming off onto the group and they were affected by it. But they definitely look a little rejuvenated and playing more sort of positive and, and energetic football under run. So yeah. I think there's pressure on Clarkson. I think he might want to time it well. I don't think stepping in uh, as they're going really good might not be the best thing for him. Because if Clarkson comes back next week and their first result's a 90-point loss, gee, I don't know if that helps things. Yeah, definitely. Um, for his they, mental health, I'm saying, like look, the pressure. Yeah, they definitely look a lot more resurgent. Um, and that's a, that's a sign of a modern... If you're going to be modern-day coaching, you've got to sort of evolve with the times. And mm. maybe some of these older coaches... Um, it worked for Ross Lyon last night, though. But some of the older coaches and the ways that you know they've had success doing it a certain way probably could be stubborn in their ways. Mm. Um, and Brett Ratton... I've met Brett Ratton once. I thought he was probably one of the nicest sort of people... At that level, when he was coaching at St Kilda, to come over and just talk to people out of his own way, and um, I've known people that have met him 20 years ago and said that he was like that as well then. So, I think he would be a very positive influence on that group. Well, he's got a lot of experience now. He's been mm. the senior coach at three clubs. He's 
been an assistant coach for over a decade. He has captained, I believe, an AFL club. He yeah. has got a lot of experience in those leadership positions. So I, despite the fact that it may not have worked out for him in a senior position for a couple of different clubs, Brett Ratner is a guy that you'd want in your football club, I believe, um, in some capacity, whether it be as a senior coach or whether it be you know, in a role behind the scenes. So um, I think having a strong support network and a strong group behind Clarkson's going to be the first thing and like what people are saying this uh, Ratton hasn't changed the game plan much at all and, and he's basically just taking what Clarkson's implemented and is the voice now behind Clarkson's message um, that's that's sort of what they're saying and it's what you would hope you wouldn't it'd be a few alarm bells if you found out that's that Ratton come yeah. in and changed everything and now they're getting these results and so. you've got to remember also Clarkson actually thinking back he did have those early wins as well um, and there has been people in the AFL media going after him um, and it's taken the toll. But I, I do think it's probably just a sign. My, I favour more that it's a sign of a young side just going through waves of form. Yeah, I agree. Right now they're wave, riding a really good wave of form. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they go the next few weeks because them young boys, that young midfield, as good as they are, they're going to get sore towards the back mm. end and they're going to cop some heavy losses. But, geez, like if you're a North Melbourne supporter, you've got a midfield there for the next 12, 15 years. Yeah, I think they've finally got enough now. That mm. like, It's one thing to say, Ruse had a couple of wins in previous seasons, like in recent seasons, where they won and it was positive, but it didn't look sustainable. It didn't mm. look like something that they could take into the following week and keep going with, where I think the continual improvement of those young midfielders will be what gets those you know two or three wins in a row when they eventually come. And you're right, young teams ebb and flow. So... Mm. Um, there will be times this year, I think, when Ruse get smacked by 100 points and it's like, wow, are they back to square one? Um, but it might not necessarily be the case. So, mm. yeah, young teams are inconsistent, but a very good performance from the Ruse last weekend. Yep. We do need to go to a break. There was one other game which we might touch on. Well, given that Tigers won, yeah, we'll have to touch on that after the break. I tipped them, mate. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have the faith. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Geez, Rob, I think we just stumbled on a work site. These yeah. um, got the power drill going For above the us. So, at home, if you hear yeah, it, so can't far control that. So far, so good. But if you randomly hear, oh, there's hammering. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you hear a bit of background noise. Put the drill hey, back on. we are joined by Andrew O'Toole from Thoroughbred Racing and T Tops in the top end. Andrew, do we have you this morning? Yes. Good morning, Jackson. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, mate. Hey, we were just saying, ignore any random background noises. I think someone's building a cubby house about five metres away from us, but there is, yeah, there's a bit going on crazy. here in the Rain and Horn studio. Um, hey, mate, what's on this weekend in racing? Yes, uh, another meeting here in Darwin. Uh, obviously, the uh, King's birthday weekend. I've never had mm. to say that in my life. Uh, so um, we race, uh, obviously, tomorrow, a six-race card here in Darwin. And pleased to say the uh, field size is starting to improve in uh, in uh, quality and quantity. Been a little bit light just the last uh, two or three weeks, but as we build, with only uh, four weeks out from the first day of the uh, Darwin Cup Carnival on the 8th of July, uh, the numbers are starting to uh, come out. They'll uh, only continue to build from here on in. Um, first race tomorrow gets underway at six minutes past two, and the last of the half dozen goes at ten past five. Yeah, I'm looking at the first race as well, Andrew. It's a very open uh, field uh, there with 11 horses as well. That's good for the uh, good for Darwin Racing. You got any tips in yeah, that race? Absolutely, no, very good. The first two races are, are, are of really good size, uh, uh, 11 in the first and 10 in the second. I thought number one, Taekwondo, would be very hard to beat in race one. It's only had uh, a couple of starts here in Darwin. One, its first uh, uh, start here, that was uh, over a sprint trip. Then out to 1,200 last time out and finished uh, third on that occasion. Even more distance for this horse, the 1,300 metres this week should really suit. Uh, he's one of about five number ones I've tipped on the day, so um, let's hope it's a day for the top weights. Very good, Andrew. Thank you very much for joining us, and you have a great weekend. Good on you. All the best, guys, for the long weekend. Thanks, NT Thoroughbred Racing, the best show on sand in the top end tomorrow. Hey, Rob, let's fly through some of these uh, round 13 games. I did say we need to talk about the final game of the round 12 round, Richmond versus Greater Western Sydney. The Tigers got it done by six points thanks to a nice goal by Marlon Pickett late in the game. I did want to talk about Tim Taranto and where you see him, but... 
that's probably a topic that won't really get old. I think Taranto's going to get his 30 touches and 10 tackles most weeks, so we'll save that for another time. Already spoke about last night's game in which St Kilda were victorious over Sydney. Tonight you have Western Bulldogs and Port Adelaide. I reckon that's shaping as a great game. We spoke about mm. the Powers midfield. An underrated player for mine that we haven't spoken about too often is Willem Drew, a hard, yep. contested winning midfielder who has a great defensive side of the game, accumulates plenty of tackles and can also play a tagging role and may even go to Bontempelli. Um, there's talk about Bontempelli playing a little bit sore. I think mm. it's shaping up as a power win. We spoke about their dangerous forward line too. However, if there is such thing as being due for a loss, perhaps they are due for a loss. Where do you see this one? Yeah, I, I do see um, old Porter in such rich fan of form, aren't they? And whenever Bulldogs are counted out, then you sort of think they're not going to win. They always mm. bounce back and win. So Bulldogs' form before the last two losses has been pretty good. So, um, But I'm tipping Port. Yeah, I'm going to go for Port as well. As a bit like you, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dogs win, but we'll go for mm. the Port here. The Battle of the Birds on Saturday. The Crows versus the Eagles, Adelaide and West Coast. The Crows would be disappointed after last week's loss, but they should massacre the Eagles at Adelaide Oval. Um, interesting vision of Isaac Rankin walking off the training track with a sore shoulder. So it'll be intriguing to see where he is at. Taylor Walker's 250th game, and you wouldn't be surprised to see him kick a bag this week. Nah, definitely. Um, I think Crows will be too strong in this one. Yep, same with me. Fremantle and Richmond over in Perth. The Dockers are comfortable favourites and should win at home, but the Tigers generally go okay over in Perth. Um, the Dockers are a bit up and down, but I'm going to go, I think they should win. Yep, I'll go Freo. And also you've got the game Lions versus Hawks. Um, first game oh, yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, um, no, I forgot about that one. Lines Everyone will forget about that Haw- one, I reckon. The form of Hawthorne last week. Yeah, Sicily returns for the Hawks, which helps, but I think I'll be going for Lions. Uh, that's a bit of an interesting one, though, at the MCG, where the Lions sometimes don't play the best footy. So maybe I'll... Yeah, I think Hawks could be a slight smoky here, but the smart money would be that. with the Lions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're going Dockers, are we? Yeah. Yeah. North Melbourne and Greater Western Sydney will keep this one short. I think North could be, you know, a, a, a slight chance, but we'd have to back Western Sydney here. Yeah, I think uh, Giants. Carlton versus Essendon. That is an awesome game. There's some great memories of these two teams. A 99 prelim for Vola kicking bags. Um, can the Blues get it done? They need a win. Yes, but I'm tipping Bombers, but I'm a Bombers supporter. But I generally do think um, we're in good stead to win this one. Yep. There's always a bit of a... Two-metre Peter coming back. It's a it's an even or upper a game, they say, though. When these big rivalry teams first, it sort of seems to, to tighten up the, the deficit between these two teams. I reckon Carlton are going to win this one. That's my big tip of the round. Melbourne versus Collingwood. We've got about a minute left. King's birthday, always a big occasion. Brody Grundy going up against his further, his former team. Um, Neil Danaher, the freeze MND day, also always a great occasion um, and a very important occasion. Who's going to win this one? I'm tipping Collingwood, but also going back, um, I'm going to tip North Melbourne over Giants because that goes against what I said previously. I just realised I contradict myself. Yeah. So I'm going back to North at 265. That's my outside of the round. Get on it. Awesome. And we're going for the Demons? To, no, sorry. Collingwood too strong for the Demons? Yeah. Maybe Collingwood into Melbourne as a multi. Yeah, there you go. Clayton Oliver also in hospital on an IV drip due to an infection, so he could be mm. in serious doubt. Awesome, Rob. Thank you for joining us. What's on for the weekend? Might go to Dundee tomorrow. Um, See what happens. How about you, Clarkie? What's on, son? No, no, not too much, mate. I can just park myself in front of the TV and watch some sport. Thanks for joining us. I hope you have a great weekend. SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Raymond Horn, Darwin.